0: Alright, and let's... You talk about your movie, right. and hopefully... last uh,
1: movie I have to talk about is one I just saw today. Hitchcock.
0: Err. No, don't do your Hitchcock, Hitchcock again, please. Why don't no. you like my Hitchcock? Seriously.
1: I'm going to do my David Bowie. Blah. Well,
0: I don't... Is it that bad?
1: Dance magic. Dance
0: You need to move your crotch more when you say that.
1: Um. (laughs) Just think of the shock value. Killing off your leading lady halfway through. I mean, you are intrigued, are you not, my dear? Come on, admit it. Admit it. Actually, I think it's a huge mistake. You shouldn't wait till halfway through. Kill her off after thirty minutes. Wow. <laughs> okay, anyway. but so this is
0: the Hitchcock with Anthony Hopkins. Yes,
1: all about the making of Psycho. And uh, yeah, well, when... well, then again, it's not Psycho. It's, it's about three things. Yes, it's about it's about the making of Psycho. It's about Ed Gein. Well. Not it, so much Ed Gein, but he's bit. featured in it. Yeah. But it's also about Hitchcock's relationship with his wife, yes, who he worked for in the beginning of his career, and then gradually he became the director, and she more or less became uh, an assistant in a way. Like they yeah. got married, but she was always present. uh it, well, well, she, she was w- always a presence in, in his in his endeavors.
0: Well, she wrote a number of his films in the in the thirties. And then, uh, you know, she was always uh, the person who... Alma Hitchcock. Alma Hitchcock. Uh, she was kind of like the secret uh, kind of a test guide for a lot of Hitchcock movies. Like, I, when I read a book about Hitchcock a couple of years ago, it talked about how whenever Hitchcock would have a new project, he would first show the script to Alma, and she would be the one who would kind of... Help guide the project secretly along. She didn't always take credit. Um, they
1: weren't just a married couple; they were two people who worked very well no, together. No, yeah,
0: because she had she had a good sense of cinema. I mean, they met as you know fellow filmmakers. Yes. And so, but the it's and so the movie also kind of shows how uh, they had a slightly uneasy marriage in some respects because right. um, I mean now. I should say that what's interesting, uh, they the movie does a kind of thing where it kind of cherry-picks a part of history and kind of transplants it into the story, um, in a way. Uh, like Because the character well, of that... um Because like, Helen Mirren plays on Hitchcock, and then she has like this friendship with this other writer, by, yeah. like, Danny Houston. In real life, that happened, but it didn't happen during the making of Psycho. Yeah. It
1: happened like ten or so years earlier. I'm always aware when, when you have this sort of uh this sort of drama that you you end up condensing a lot of time. Yes. And what and uh I've read about the making of Psycho and there was no mention of any of this other conflict going on during that. No. But I mean as a I mean but as a narrative it works.
0: No, it does. And I think the and the showing the, of the making of the movie is fine. Like I The but
1: the, the making of the movie is more or less the setting. Uh, on which this uh on which the relationship narrative is played yeah. which is not bad uh it's there's a lot of uh, you have these
0: two actors playing these roles i mean you're going to get I mean, it's anthony hopkins
1: stuff. and helen mirren so you yeah. can't go wrong no uh anthony hopkins does a great job as alfred hitchcock especially in that very first shot uh yes. it starts I that. uh that was that surprised me it starts out with a scene at the the Gein farm <laughs> and then Alfred Hitchcock makes his appearance as if he's doing Hitchcock presents. Yeah, he's and kind he of just says, there. "Had the police believed his story, they would." I'm not going to do it with the impression. See, see, I... <laughs> I'm see not you do. make fun of my impression. You almost sound like I stopped myself. I stopped myself. All right. And he says, "Had the police believe not believed Ed Gein, he would have been arrested, and we- he wouldn't have done all the terrible things he did, and we wouldn't have gotten our film." So. Eh. <laughs> and he makes a very twisted, valid point. Ed Gein did some terrible things. But oh, sure. without Ed Gein, we would not have gotten Psycho.
0: No, I would say that... Um... Is that
1: a fair trade?
0: <laughs> Perhaps. I mean, you uh... could say that without Hitler, we wouldn't have gotten Schindler's List.
1: There you go, see.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: we could just keep going but down I had, here. But I had never thought of it that way. And yeah, well that's, that instantly, that's how and that instantly grabbed my attention. I'm like, all right, movie, you have me. Do what you will. And <laughs> I would say was... with the
0: movie, it's a good movie. I I don't know if the, all the stuff with Ed Gein works. It no, felt like, it doesn't It, it felt like work. a narrative device where he keeps showing up on the Ed Gein murders.
1: It would have been worth it if Hitchcock was thinking about killing his wife. <laughs> <laughs> if they made it a little more organic to that. Well, there's also there there are all these sorts of uh there are all these sorts of allusions to things like um husbands murdering wives and about deep dark passions in yeah. people. And none of that comes and they they allude to that stuff altogether and Ed Gein pops up a little bit in Hitchcock's Psyche and he's in scenes with him and But it doesn't amount to anything, really. I mean, if maybe there was another subplot where Hitchcock was thinking of killing his wife. After all, they've tampered with the chronology. They've brought something from the future into this moment. Why not go crazy? But no, it doesn't really really amount to anything. It feels disconnected. It's a bit gimmicky, I think.
0: Yeah, it's gimmicky. It tonally doesn't really fit with the other stuff that's going on in the movie. Like yeah. you know, with the marriage like plotline and the making of the movie plotline.
1: Yeah, it's just like this vestigial growth that's that's coming off the movie. They, I think they it's tr- kind of interesting, but it's uh, it doesn't amount to much.
0: Yeah, and the one moment where they kind of try to bring it in, or like, there's that moment where Hitchcock's directing uh, the shower scene. Yes, and he takes the knife and he starts kind of stabbing. FAP yeah, and Janet Lee,
1: who is played by Scarlett Johansson.
0: Yes, which is really good casting.
1: Another interesting bit of casting was Vera Miles, played by Jessica Biel.
0: Oh yeah, that's and what Jessica
1: Biel. That. What's she been in? Like she was in Stealth. That's the only movie I can remember. And then she gets and then she gets cast in this uh, a Fox Searchlight uh, <laughs> movie, mm-hmm. and you know does a good job. Yeah. Yeah, I guess some people just choose crappy things for their entire yeah. career, but then, you know, you have one in you. Yeah. I um, Good for you, Jessica Bill. Yeah. It's uh
0: it's an interesting movie. What's even more interesting to me, I don't know if you know about this, but at around the time this movie came out in two thousand twelve, HBO made their own Hitchcock movie called The Girl. And now this focused wow. more How on bland. <laughs> well it... <laughs> <laughs> nice they might. Dialogue. Why don't? Why didn't they just call
1: it HBO Presents a movie about Hitchcock? <laughs> called that would been, a movie about Hitchcock. That
0: would have been more original, man. You know, you have a movie called a movie about Hitchcock. That's like Hitch, how there there was actually documentary a movie called... about
1: Alfred Hitchcock number three hundred and sixty-five. That's what we're going to call it.
0: <laughs> Okay, so okay. what is the, the girl? Okay, the girl center. Well, it's a Hitchcock movie, but really the main character is Tippi Hedren, and it's the story of the making of the Birds, and in part Marnie and how Tippi Hedren became uh, Hitchcock's you know super obsession object. Yeah. Um. You know, and how uh you know, Tippi Hedren didn't get treated the best way on yeah you know, the sad birds or Marnie, and by the end of it she kind of wanted out of. You know, her, her, she had a contract with Hitchcock to work on more movies and she wanted out and he wouldn't let her out of the contract and so that kind of messed up her career because other directors wanted to use her and stuff and Hitchcock was like no because like Tippi Hedren basically at least according to this movie how true it is it's true ish that Hitchcock really had a thing for her and, yeah,
1: and a, a bunch of other actresses oh, of course and could you know, be quite you know, meddlesome. Grace
0: Kelly, Ingrid Bergman Icy blondes were his thing, man. Yeah. But the movie makes him out to look like a total perv, like somebody. And and he's it's interesting too because, uh, you know, in, in two thousand five, there were two films about Capote made: the movie Capote and the movie Infamous. They're both also about uh you know the making of in Cold Blood in those murders. Infamous. One movie was made with Philip Seymour Hoffman. The other movie was made with this actor
1: Toby Jones. Hitchcock comes out. Oh, Anthony Toby Hopkins. Jones. Um, what's his name? You would know Barnum him if you saw him. from the Captain America movies.
0: Yes, that's him. Yeah, yeah, and and who does he play in the girl? Hitchcock. Huh. So two, so two times they made two different movies on a subject that come out at the same time. It's one of those weird things in Hollywood where. They have two exact movies. I mean, it also happened with Snow White, when you had Snow White and the Huntsman, and you had Mirror Mirror. Yeah. One of which was significant,
1: one of which was crappy, and one of which was really crappy. (laughs) I never saw Mirror Mirror,
0: so I can't comment on that. (laughs) What's the deal, Tarsem Singh? Uh, I know, you made The Immortals. You know, you're awesome, but then you go and make Mirror Mirror. You made
1: The Fall. Yeah. I mean, you don't even have to point to Immortals to show the best thing he's Hmm. ever done.
0: Yeah, but the point is, is that Uh, I just found that kind of interesting that, you know, again, you have these two different Hitchcock movies that you can compare, and the truth is somewhere probably in the middle, because the Hitchcock portrayed in the movie Hitchcock, you know, he's kind of, you know, a fun, jolly guy in that movie. Yeah. Well, to the extent that Hitchcock can be, he's super, his sense of humor is super droll, you know, he's the kind of guy who's like, "I'd I'd like a little bit of murder for breakfast. Alright, my, my imitation's bad. I'm making him sound like an old. He's making him sound like gal. a Muppet. I, I like sh- a little bit of murder with my breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks for making fun of me.
1: Ashes um, wh- to ashes, fun too funky. You know Major Tom's a junkie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so, But you like the Hitchcock.
1: Yeah, I liked it a lot.
0: Cool. Yeah, I liked it too. I mean, obviously, if you're a fan, of again, Psycho, it's
1: again, it's part of my favorite genre: movies about making movies. So, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I'll always enjoy something. I'll always enjoy something like that.
0: Mm. Okay, so now this is the last movie that I'll talk about before we take a break. Finally. Well, you know, we're going at a similar pace. Eh?
1: As long as I am unable to exercise my constitutional right to vote. I do not have command of my own life. I cannot determine my own destiny, for it is determined for me by people who would rather see me suffer than succeed. Those that have gone before us say, no more, no more. That means protest, that means march, that means disturb the peace, that means jail, that means risk, and that is hard not wait any longer give us the vote that's right no more they're not asking we're demanding give us the
0: vote all right but this last movie bit of a different subject um this is the movie selma oh which is uh and i actually saw this on aptly enough and i didn't I guess I sort of planned it this way, but it was when I had a day off, Martin Luther King Day. Yeah, makes sense. Um, and this is the story. It, it is about Martin Luther King, but it's really the story of what the title is uh, uh, the story of what happened in Selma in early 1965. Um, obviously, uh, for those of you who don't know the history, uh, you know, 1964, uh, Lyndon Johnson got a lot of uh, equal rights. Uh, you know civil rights legislation passed through and you know it was good you know that was you know finally he got some stuff done and progressed you know what kennedy had kind of started with about time lyndon johnson his, yeah really man um but uh and he probably kick your ass for saying that uh he was that kind of guy
1: well he's dead and i'm alive <laughs> <laughs> you should so beat th- that lyndon johnson
0: you're kind of, that that. This is just a side thing. But that kind of reminds me of Johnson
1: uh, Zero. Yeah, Andrew well, One.
0: Well, now I'm just thinking of how um, there was some interview where Stephen King, uh, you know, he had he doesn't like the the Shining adaptation very much, and he once said <laughs> he, he said, you know what's you know what's nice Stanley Kubrick's dead. I'm alive.
1: Ha! <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> like, is. I know. I know like, that's a, that. I know that's basically exactly <laughs> what I said just now. But that seems like the most childish thing he could ever say. <laughs> also, Steven Stanley Kubrick's a poopy head, and he's dumb, yes, he and is. I hate him. He. <laughs> uh... He has a tiny penis. Uh, well, shut up, Stephen King. What have you directed? You directed <laughs> Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, you're which, not one. To while talk. entertaining, is garbage. So,
0: <laughs> but anyway, Selma. <so>, uh, <laughs> back to the, my topic at hand. Um, so this movie is about how uh, the Voting Rights Act, you know, had to get passed because you know after you pass the Civil Rights, uh, you know, that's fine. But as Martin Luther King explains, you know, pretty clearly in the movie, um, the problem is, yeah, now you've made it where, you know, now you've actually put in the legislation that black people are equal to white people. You can't have segregation the way you've had it. But black people are not having an easy time being able to vote. And, you know, they're not even, you know, if they can't vote, then how are they really citizens in this country? Uh, Especially in the South where, you know, technically the thing was, too, that was really tricky, they could try to register to vote, but it was basically impossible. They had to produce, they had to basically list off, name all 67 counties in your state. Hmm. You know, things like that, that obviously are bullshit questions. Um, And... Um, And so basically, you know, the movie charts how Martin Luther King organized the Selma marches, and also Lyndon Johnson is uh, in the movie, too, because, uh, you know, he's pressed upon by Martin Luther King, you know, hey, we need your help, we need you to try to get a voting rights act back, and Lyndon Johnson says, basically, look, I'm very supportive of this, obviously, but... You know, I have a full agenda this year. I have a lot of other things I need to worry about right now. And Martin Luther King is like, no, this can't wait. This needs to be done now. People are dying. And um, and I don't know if you've heard about that this movie has kind of come under some fire uh, from people who uh, say the movie is unfair to Lyndon Johnson. Mm. Uh, because, you know, they, the movie basically posits like, not not that he's the villain, per se, but that Lyndon Johnson was sort of impeding the Voting Rights Act going through faster than it
1: should have. Is it fair to say that in Selma, Martin Luther King is the protagonist and Lyndon Johnson's the antagonist? In the most
0: basic terms, yes and no. I mean, the thing is, is that there are other antagonists in the movie that are kind of... You know, harsher than Lyndon Johnson. Johnson is more like someone who's caught between a rock and a hard place. I I thinking more about the movie. When I first saw it, I I actually thought, wow, that movie wasn't really that fair to Lyndon Johnson. He kind of doesn't come off very well, um, at least as portrayed. But thinking about more and then doing more research, uh, you know, when you're doing a, it's a movie. It's not history. It's still a movie. That's what. Like, you have all these Lyndon Johnson scholars and people that were in his presidency yeah. say, like, oh, this movie is not true, this movie doesn't really get it right, and yet, you know, it's still a movie. If Martin Luther King walks in the White House and says, uh, you know, black people need to get the vote, Lyndon's like, done, there's no movie. There needs to, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so there needs to be conflict. And so that's really the main driving conflict. Now, in terms of other antagonists, you have and the people... Oscar
1: for best short film goes to Selma. <laughs>
0: yes. Um, on the you know you have George Wallace, the governor, and you know the future guy who tried to run for president. Um, you know, uh, please, Mister History guy, you know who George Wallace is right. Yes. Okay. Good. He he's really more portrayed like I'm. I'm kind of like the more racist governor who's not really giving a crap. And then he also has there are also people, obviously in the town of Selma, who are, you know, nasty racists. So it's Lyndon Johnson it's again, he's not really the antagonist because it's hard to paint him as that that simply because he's the kind of guy who um he explains to Dr. King, it's like you're an activist, I'm a politician you, know, you have one issue. I have 101. So it's it's kind of one of those things where the movie, ultimately, I thought about it, he does, he is portrayed fairly. It's just that the movie is done from the black perspective. The movie is directed by a black woman, this really talented director, Ava DuVernay, and a mostly black cast. Um, I mentioned the movie uh, A Most Violent Year a little bit earlier, and one of the actors in that is this guy, David O'Yo. Oyel- Oh well, yellow, mellow yellow. Yeah, so that's the guy. You thought he? You thought I was mentioning him as the? Monster he's the only guy? other guy you mentioned. No, he's. Well, he plays Martin Luther King. <laughs> oh, good. And he's great. He's really fantastic. There are no words to soothe you, Mister Lane. There were no words. But I can tell you one thing for certain. God was the first to cry. He was the first to cry for your boy. Yes, I believe it. And what's interesting, too, is that um, there's already another, there's a Martin Luther King movie that's been in the works for years. Is Um, is there going to
1: be a Selma 2?
0: Selma 2,
1: March Harder. Uh,
0: (laughs) Uh, Wow. Selma (laughs) 2, Electric Boogaloo. Uh, (laughs) Uh, But no, no. But the point, like, it's been in the works for a while. Like, either Spielberg or Oliver Stone was going to make a movie. But the point is, the studio owns Martin Luther King's speeches. Huh? Yeah, it sounds weird, but his speeches are trademarked because uh, there was this thing in the '60s where this record company, like, per, like made a record of his speech or one of his uh, speeches,
1: and so and the record and company family, is now owned by the well, no, studio. not the record
0: company, no, no, but Martin Luther King copyrighted his speeches because he didn't want like pe things like a record company making money off of his speeches, and of course now he's been gone for a long time. Now his children own the estate. And the point is, for this production of Selma, they couldn't get the rights to his all of his speeches. So what the filmmakers did was actually rewrite part of his speeches, and yet it it, it sounds great. It's actually they changed it in such a way where you can't really tell the actor really sells it. Um, now that's risky. It is risky, but it works. I mean, uh, again, now some of this, a lot of the speeches he gives in the movie, they're the kind of things where you know, he's giving speeches in churches. He's giving it to his congregations about, you know, how important the v- gang the vote is and, you know, not giving up in the face of all this violence because, you know, they tried to march across uh, uh, this bridge in Selma. And I don't know if, obviously the story was ultimately they wanted to get a march from Selma to Montgomery, Alabama. And uh, this march was incredibly hard to coordinate, especially when, the first time they tried to do this, these white troopers basically created chaos and beat all these black people on a bridge. And ultimately, what the movie's interesting about too is that it'd be one thing if it was just a biopic about Martin Luther King, um, but it's not entirely. It does he is the main character, and there is a lot of conflict for him, and also him leading <coughs> his people, you know, as uh, an activist and in, in his being a, being a leader well being a leader being someone who's uh you know non-violence uh malcolm x at one point pops up in the movie uh because and yet he kind of shows up in selma as kind of like you know we don't you know, look me and martin luther king we don't see eye to eye on a lot of things but i think that Boy, me, don't we no but me being here will actually uh, i think that people seeing me I'll be so extreme that people will actually go back to him. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of political maneuvering in this movie. In a way, it almost it reminds me most of the movie Lincoln, which, you know, that's a movie that, you know, it's called Lincoln. And, you know, you go into it and wonder, is this going to be a biopic? But it's really about the politics of trying to get the, the uh, was it the 13th Amendment, the 14th Amendment? Oh, God. This is where I'm killing me. Probably the 13th Amendment.
1: I think it's um, the 14th
0: Amendment. I know. And constitutional scholars, please send all emails and hate mail to me. Um, yes. But the idea is that like, it's a fascinating movie because of what it shows that's different than what you expect. It shows more about how in order to get public awareness up, in order to get it to the point where it wasn't just black people marching. It was also... Uh, you know, after there there are all these beatings in Selma, uh, then white people got involved to a degree, like especially a lot of priests and religious people who, you know, you're doing a nonviolent protest, and you know, there's no reason why you should be beaten and savage, you know, be done. It's like, and ultimately, the only way that they, unfor- you know, sadly, the only way that they got things moved ahead was because people suffered and got bloodied and yeah and all this stuff um you know and i haven't watched the movie yet but i have to wonder if when i finally watch um a movie which i i don't know if i should bring it up because i know i have to watch it for our thing um, which one uh should i just say it good it's gandhi yeah so you know you got another movie gonna... about like nonviolent, you know maneuvering to try to affect change. Yeah. So the well, Gandhi
1: is the great granddaddy of nonviolent protests So you uh not far off if it's he's worth the mentioning. Great,
0: if he's the great granddaddy then Martin Luther King's the the mac daddy. Okay. All right, now you got nothing. But uh this is a a really powerful movie. Um I I highly recommend it. I um, whether it got the Oscar snubs, I I don't know. It, frankly, this year, it was a pretty tough Oscar it's year. It's been a strong year. It's been a strong year. Um, the one, only thing I would say is that I wish that Ava DuVernay could have been nominated. And if they took out Wes Anderson, it wouldn't have been that big a deal Meh. to me. But that's just a small thing. Um, so I, I just, I just like the montages. Oh, and the one last thing that I'd like to <laughs> say before we uh, we stop, though, bringing it back to Hitchcock. What's interesting now to me is that I don't know when it's going to come out, but I know that it's been approved. Last year there was a play done uh, called uh, All the Way, I think, or All In, or I, I forget what exactly what the name was. But over Brian, the top. No, that's that's a different. Oh, God. Uh, Over the top. uh, Arm wrestling. Isn't it so
1: epic? I will Um, prove that I am a fit parent for my son by winning uh, winning uh, the arm wrestling championship.
0: uh, (laughs)
1: Outlaw! Bring it back to Outlaw. Okay,
0: no. It's a play about Lyndon Johnson trying to pass the oh, civil yeah, that's, rights uh, in nineteen sixty four with Brian C- Cranston, with starring Brian Cranston as Lyndon Johnson. I re- and that's going to now be on HBO as a movie pretty soon. I don't know when exactly.
1: Watching to so late as a movie. Yes. So,
0: oh. so now we're going to have two Lyndon Johnson movies. Yeah. Why not? In a short amount of time. So I just find this whole thing kind of fascinating, and uh, the the the. the the Lyndon Johnson and Selma is really well played too. Tom Wilkinson uh, plays uh, Lyndon Johnson. Good and uh, yeah, really good cast, really strong emotionally. Go check it out. Okay. Uh,
1: spoiler alert: They get the Voting Rights Act passed. So I don't think I don't. That think can th- be a- I don't just uh, be careful. Don't tell your friends.
0: Yes, and spoiler alert: uh, Lyndon Johnson uses a lot of colorful language in this movie.
1: Blue outlaw.
0: Pink. Uh, something so, like why that.
1: don't we take a break and Let's we'll talk about our New Year's resolution movies next. All right. Thanks. <laughs>